Let us pray. Gracious and holy God, startle us with your truth and open us to your love. As we open the mysterious and challenging words of your scriptures, help us to see moving within these ancient words your presence in our lives today. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts, may they be acceptable in your sight. For you, O Lord, are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Taking the Bible seriously means being willing to struggle with its content. In other words, Christians, if we are serious about what the Bible says, will choose to be serious about all of what it says. Not just our favorite parts, but also the parts that require some struggle. In that spirit, I'm currently preaching a series on passages of the Bible which I have not talked about before, and some of them I have passed over because I know that they make us uncomfortable. Today I'll be talking about two of those passages. One says that we should fear God. The other is about Jesus casting out a demon. Let's start with the demon. Our translation, the text you read in your Bible, says unclean spirit. And to be clear, that is what the text says. That, I believe, is what is closest to the original Greek. But the idea most Christians struggle with when reading stories like these is the metaphor deep in the cultural history of Christianity, the idea of a demon. And so that's the word I'm going to use this morning to be sure that we are talking about this in the way that tends to make us the most uncomfortable. If you can use the word angel harmlessly enough to describe a helpful spirit, what we're talking about here is an unhelpful spirit. And we use the word demon plenty enough outside of the Bible. How many times have you heard someone reflect upon the life of a person who has died, saying of his struggles, yes, well, he had his demons. This word is worth talking about because it's part of our cultural landscape. Christians who are serious about the Bible also have to talk about demons, if for no other reason than because it comes up quite often. In the brief 16-chapter book of Mark, there are 18 stories about a miracle of some kind. Thirteen of them are healing stories. Four of those are about casting out a demon. This apparently happened regularly in the ministry of Jesus. So in the act of casting out demons, we are being told something important about who Jesus is. This subject matter is a challenge for many of us because in more modern times, the business of faith healing and casting out demons has a complicated history. 
Some of us associate this idea with hucksters or frauds who would take advantage of vulnerable and desperate people. But we cannot be too quick to judge, for many of us know someone who has come back from the brink of death in a way that defies any medical explanation, and they simply must acknowledge that in some miraculous way they have been healed. Most of us find ourselves someplace in the middle of these two extremes, not sure exactly what to think. We're suspicious of the hucksters, but maybe we don't want to count out the idea of miraculous healings just in case one day we find ourselves in need of one. Let me tell you a story from my own church experience, one that I'm willing to say had to do with casting out demons. In a congregation I previously served, one of our members, a young woman, suffered from severe mental illness. It got worse over a period of several months with inappropriate outbursts and publicly disruptive behavior. When the behaviors became dangerous to herself and to others, it was necessary to involve the police, resulting in a forced hospitalization. And that was the start of her road to recovery. But by the time all of that happened, this young woman's ability to care for herself had diminished to the point that she was in the process of being evicted from her apartment. So from behind the locked doors of a hospital ward, she called the church to tell us that all of her worldly possessions were about to be thrown into the garbage. At her very humble request, I accompanied a group of the church's deacons who were sensitive about mental illness, and we went to clean out her apartment, separating months of hoarding, discarded food and garbage, separating that from her clothing, beloved music and books, pictures, memories. Irreplaceable things, things that were placed in a storage unit during her recovery. She got better with a lot of help and a lot of courage and a lot of faith. That young woman got back on her feet and she found new work helping other people who were suffering with mental illness. I was blessed to receive occasional updates in the mail about the life that she was rebuilding and her thanks to the church for not abandoning her in her hour of need. It's hard to say a lot of definitive things about demons, but I think it's reasonable to use that word in this context, to say that that young woman had some kind of a demon, an unclean spirit. Something had made its way inside of her that was not true to who God had created her to be. Mental, mental illness is one of the ways that we explain the presence of demons in the Bible. People do that all the time. 
2,000 years ago, society lacked either the understanding of or the treatment options for mental illness that we have today, so demons seemed like a pretty good explanation. But even today, mental illness is far from the only thing that seems like an alien takeover of a person. When one suffers from addiction, people who love them will often look at what is going on and say that that person is not behaving according to who they really are. It is a disease that has overtaken them. Often the addicts agree. Addictive behaviors don't have to be about alcohol or drugs. Sometimes we are so consumed by our careers or by creating some false portrayal of the perfect family or perfect home that it takes over our lives and obscures the more real and essential parts of who we are. Life's regular pursuits become corrupted. The same thing can happen with our emotions, guilt or grief, the anger or the inability that we sometimes have to forgive someone who has wronged us. These are normal emotions that become twisted, exaggerated, all-consuming, until they move in and occupy space in our hearts that crowds out who we are and who God created us to be. I believe all these things can be demons. And I believe that in many cases, with help and with courage, they can be cast out. With those ideas as a backdrop, is it such a stretch to believe a Bible story about Jesus casting out a demon? He was in the synagogue teaching, the story says, teaching not like a charlatan, but as one with authority, real authenticity, grace, and truth. And just then we read, there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are the Holy One of Israel. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying with a loud voice, came out of him. Here's an observation about Bible stories that I've found to be interesting. Much of the time, the good guys in a Bible story do not fully appreciate who Jesus is. The bystanders, and even Jesus' own disciples, often don't get it that he is the Son of God. They do not take his presence seriously enough. But in these healing stories, the demons always know who Jesus is. In this story, the demon-possessed man actually says to Jesus, I know who you are, Holy One of God. It's my hunch that the reason they know is because demons are afraid 
of the goodness of God. Whatever a demon may stand for, substance abuse or mental illness or an uncontrollable sense of grief or anger or perfectionism, any one of these things that tend to steal our best selves from us, what they all have in common is that when they are met by the love and acceptance of God, they are afraid. They are afraid because God knows exactly who we were created to be. And God wants to free us of our demons and restore us to our essential goodness. This idea that demons are afraid of Jesus This idea is what connects us to the other difficult passage of Scripture for this morning, the one that claims the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's a line some of you might remember from attending an Ash Wednesday service at the beginning of Lent. As the ashes are placed in the sign of a cross on a person's forehead, one of the things the pastor may say is Psalm 111, verse 10, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. In the midst of a service about remembering our mortality, and often said with no context at all, those words are just plain scary. But they shouldn't be. And in this case, the explanation is a little simpler than with the subject of demons. The Hebrew sentiment being expressed here with the word fear is something much more like awe, or wonder, or reverence. Reverence for God is the beginning of wisdom. That's what we're talking about here. The connection to the passage about demons is that the places in our hearts where reverence begins, well, often that's the place where a demon resides. Taking over a person's mental stability, replacing their values with addiction, consuming their better judgment or the love and joy in their life with grief or resentment or anger. That place where demons move in is at the very core and presence of our being. In the story we read, the demon sees Jesus coming and is afraid. And he should be. For demons often take up residence in the places that are essential to who we are, and they are in the wrong place. For that's the place where God belongs. Reverence for the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Fear may be a part of it, yes, but awe, wonderment toward God and God's creations. This is who we were created to be. Theologian Thomas Parker, writing on this psalm, says, We human creatures seem to be born to wonder, to love, and to praise. These things are the expressions of our deepest and purest selves. 
our deepest longings and our purest selves. The feeling we have at the beauty of a sunrise or the excitement at spotting a shooting star. The miracle of finding love. The breathlessness when we witness the birth of a child. Not all of our deepest longings are pure joy. Some are even tragedy. Think about some of your most important moments. Watching a child board the bus on the first day of school or sending them off to college. Saying goodbye to a dying parent. The moment when an aid worker helps a starving refugee off an overcrowded raft. Hearing that your cancer is in remission. Or that it is not. And finding a way to endure what will come. Finding strength after a life-changing injury or disability. Giving a person who has been in prison the gift of another chance. Going with the deacons to the home of a person who has been forcibly hospitalized and putting her memories in storage for a better day. In all of these moments and emotions, God is there at the essence of who we are. In these important moments, we also often feel a little closer to God's work inside of us. And we find that our everyday priorities are in need of some realignment. Are we wiser in those moments? I would say yes. So yes. The fear of the Lord, awe and wonderment at life's important moments, awareness that life is not just some meaningless routine. Yes, this is the beginning of wisdom. Jesus is in the business of casting out demons. Because in those most important moments, we need to be most fully who God created us to be. But often people are lost or consumed by the presence of mental illness or addiction or resentment or discouragement. We need for the goodness and wisdom of God to return to that place where she belongs. It seems like the stuff of fantasy, these stories of casting out demons. Maybe you would prefer other language. Often, I would. But the struggle for the core of our being happens in small ways every day. For there is a place in each one of your hearts that is home to your greatest loves and deepest longings. There are seasons in life when those places become occupied by a presence that should not be there. It should not be there because that is the place in your heart where God belongs.
when I read in the Bible of demons and of Jesus casting them out, I believe it means that God is being rediscovered in the places where God belongs. <laughs>